0: Today, we're going to continue our uh, sermon series, Stand. Today will be our last of the series, the last sermon that we'll be preaching out of this series. And today, we're going to talk about standing in faith. Um, if you have your Bible with you, uh, please turn to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. Open up your app and let's meet me at Daniel chapter 10. As we've done... Re- the last few weeks we are reading through the entire chapter Daniel chapter 10 here's what it says in the third year of Cyrus king of Persia a word was revealed to Daniel who was named Belteshazzar and the word was true and it was a great conflict and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision in those days I Daniel was mourning for three weeks I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from up past around his waist. His body was like barrel, His face was the appearance of lightning. His eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who, who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved and understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he has spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. When he has spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. And I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now, no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Verse 18, again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We're thankful for this journey that we've had through the book of Daniel. And God, as we open the word again, open up our hearts, will your spirit illuminate in us what you want us to hear, know, and do. Tune our ears to hear the things that you want us to hear. Tune our hearts to know the things that you want us to, to hide in our hearts so that we might not sin against you. So God, speak through me today. Prepare all of our hearts so that when your truth gets sown in there, it will reproduce 30, 60, 100-fold. So Lord, be with us as we look into your word. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please mind the gap. Please mind the gap. And if you've ever been to Hong Kong or London, and you're very likely to have heard of this phrase, please mind the gap. Except they would say it in English, Cantonese, And Mandarin, and this is one of the phrases repeated over and over again when you uh, go into what is the equivalent for us a metro train uh, it's called MTR in Hong Kong and also London have to say uh, where they got it from. There is a gap between where the train is and also where the platform is. There is a gap wide enough that perhaps if you're not careful, you can step into that gap and and fall into either into that gap or get stuck into that gap. Which is the reason why the warning, please mind the gap, so, so as to warn the people so they know that people are aware of there is a gap standing between the platform and the train. And when I was young, I grew up in Hong Kong, I remember just hearing that, that over and over again. And after a while, you just kind of tune that out. Uh, but several years ago, when my family took our... when we only had two uh, sons at the time. We took them really young. I don't know what we were thinking. They were four and two. We took them back to Hong Kong. And I just remembered them riding the MTR for the first time. They hear those words. It mean nothing to them. But when they step to the platform, they just see this gap. And what they needed to do is we need to carry them over. Because they literally just froze in front of the gap, don't, not, don't, not knowing what to do. And even if they are mining careful with the gap their foot, their shoes might stay stuck in there. So we are called, there's, this warning is meant for us to be careful of the gap. You know, there are many times in our lives that we can come to worship and we're singing these songs and we feel good and close with Jesus. Right, there are times that every song that the worship team leads, you just gets you where, where you feel so close with Jesus. Every Bible passage you read is like a burning bush moment for you. And we were singing songs that we sung earlier, great things. We can name a billion great things that God have done in our lives. But then there are times that those songs just don't sound very good. Or there are times that those songs just sound so foreign that you've been praying, you've been reading, but nothing just gets through to you. Seems like God feels so far away from you. And sometimes it seems like there's a gap between you and God. And one of the dangers that we have as we are uh, walking our Christian lives is increasingly what happens is a lot of times we don't know what to do when there is a gap between us and God. We don't heed the warning that we need to mind the gap because oftentimes the gap can become our grave. That we're not careful, that gap between us and God, what we perceive as a gap between us and God. If we're not careful, we can fall deep into that gap and feel really, really far away from God. It will drag us away from the God that we worship in good times. And now in bad times, sometimes we forget who that God is. I think we can easily be paralyzed when we're standing in that gap. And I wonder, so a lot of times we're standing right there, perhaps for you in COVID season, there are things that you were expecting that you were wishing to happen. For some, some of you graduating, uh, graduated already that you were hoping for a graduation. You're looking forward to that for all those years. Some of you are looking forward to a vacation for, for, for a long time during summer. Some of you were looking forward to college, to, get out, to go somewhere else, to live somewhere else, and start this new season of life, and yet COVID hit, and all those things just got, all those plans got tossed uh, upside down. And you've been praying, you're asking God to deliver you and do miracles in your life, and, and God, it seems like he's not listening, there's, he's not reacting, he's not doing anything at all, and there's a gap between you and God, and you wonder, should I continue to trust in him? If we're not careful, we can get tripped up in that gap. So the question I want to share, I answer today for us from this uh, text is this. Why should we keep trusting in God even though there's a gap? Why should we continue to persist in believing in God when there seems to be a gap that separates us from him? When, when, when what, we, what we're seeing in our lives physically, in reality, there seems to be a gap between our realities and God's goodness. Why should we keep going? In the story that we we're looking at today in Daniel chapter 10, we saw that Daniel was living in the gap. We'll pick up the reading here in verse 2. He says this, "'In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks.'" For three weeks long, Daniel was praying. Daniel was fasting. We know later on he was praying. He's not just fasting for food for diet reason. He was mourning. It says he was sad. And the reason why he was sad was because there were there were a group of people that King Cyrus allowed to go back to Jerusalem. If you remember, Daniel has been uh, in ex- living in exile. He was brought out from his motherland in Jerusalem in Judah. Because of the con- uh, the conquest of Nebuchadnezzar. And now, since he was a young man till now, probably by this point, he was all, uh, 80, upper 80 years old. And now he's still living in Babylon with probably no hope of ever returning back. And the reason why he was mourning for three weeks was not because he missed out of, of the opportunity to go back. He was not sad because King Cyrus did not choose his trusted uh, official to go back to his motherland. He was sad was because, the reason why he was sad was because the people that got sent back to Judah and Jerusalem were facing opposition. I won't have to take the time to read it for you, but in Ezra chapter 1, the book of Ezra tells us that this small group of people whom uh, King Cyrus has sent home to rebuild the temple, rebuild a the city. They were doing all the things that the king allowed and called them to do, yet they were facing challenges, opposition. Of building the temple, and it was for that reason Daniel was mourning because his 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 uh, his brothers, his sisters, his his the people, his own people are facing uh, challenges. Daniel's heart was always after God, very much like David. He wanted to see the temple of God be rebuilt so that God, the God of Daniel, would be worshipped again. And he was mourning. He was living that guy for 21 days. When was the last time you prayed for something consecutively for 21 days? This obviously is something very, very meaningful, something that's a huge burden in Daniel's heart. And he was fasting. He was praying, but nothing. First day, fast, nothing. Second day, fast, nothing. Third day, nothing. 21 days, nothing. And it was as if fasting and praying didn't get through to to god there was a gap between daniel and god and daniel persisted for 21 days and why continue one of the danger for reading through the book of daniel studying the book of daniel i believe is this that many times we get stuck in daniel 3 and daniel 6 one of the biggest mistakes we have as Christians reading through the book of Daniel is we only remember the God of Daniel 3 and the God of Daniel 6. The God who delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace in Daniel 6. We looked at last week the God who delivered him from the lion's den. Yes, God placed him in those places, but we also saw that his body, the clothes were not singed, his hair was not singed, clothes were not even smoky. There's no scratch on Daniel at all. And I think it is so easy for us as Christians, we just stay in that that, uh, uh, false assumption that God will always, always deliver us from difficult circumstances in our lives. That it is so easy to forget that the God of Daniel 3 and Daniel 6 is also the God of Daniel 10, 11, and 12, which by the way, we don't have time to go through all three chapters, are really one big vision that Daniel had from God. That the same God who delivered Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the same God who delivered Daniel from the lion's den, is the same God whom Daniel was praying to for 21 days, and no answer, nothing, not a peek from God, to return to, to Daniel. And by the way, in chapter 11, if you have the time to look for it, the people of God is basically filing chapter 11 bankruptcy. That even after all that is going on, they will continue to spiral down to be ruled by another nation, another empire. There was a gap between Daniel and God. So why should he continue to pray? Why should he continue to persist? Why should he continue to choose to trust God? I think the encounter following uh, following up in this chapter tells us, give us three encouragement, three realities, three realities about God that I hope today will continue and give you strength Perhaps you are sitting in that gap. You're wondering, "Can I continue on in trusting God?" I hope that these three truths about God, these three realities, encouragement will will will, 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 will refresh you to trusting God in this moment of gap. Verse four, we see. Uh, verse four, we we continue in chapter ten. We see that there is an encounter between Daniel and a uh, angelic being, or some will consider. Jesus Christ himself pre-incarnated. Let's read in verse four on the 24th day of the first month. So after he fasted 21 days here on the 24th days of the first month in the Jewish calendar. Daniel says this, as I was standing, he was giving an account of what happened. As I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from uphouse and around his waist. His body was like barrels, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of multitude." In verse 7, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. And so I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I hear and I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. Um, I don't have time to, uh, to, to go through whether this person is an angel or Jesus Christ himself reincarnated. Scholars argue and debate about that. I think there are, very, very, uh, I think there are evidence for both. If you follow with us in our series in Revelation, Seven Churches, these descriptions seems to fit very well in, uh, in who Jesus Christ was described in Revelation. But at the same time, it seems like, um, this angel later on, we see that needed to, uh, this person, this being needed to yield, have some, have lack of strength, needed some help, uh, which makes us wonder, does Jesus ever need help? Uh, all, all that aside, what I wanted, the point I want to make here is simply this. That in my own judgment, my own view of study, I see, I, I see this as a person, an uh, angelic being. So from now on, I'll refer this person, angelic being, an angel. But the point is simply this, that after 21 days of fasting and praying, the angel showed up, showed up to Daniel. And it is through this encounter with the angel that we see God is doing something in his life. And here's the three things that that you're taking notes that I want you to write down. The first truth I want you to write down is this, that in order for us to persist in standing in faith in our gap time, the first truth is, is that we need to understand and be convicted that God cares more about you than you do. God cares infinitely more than you, about you than you care about yourself. You see, this is the reason why God sent the angel in the first place. Here, look at what it, what it says. The angel says, uh, Daniel described in verse 10, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and on my knees. And he said to me, Here's the angel saying to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I've been sent to you, and when he has spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. The reason why the angel was sent to meet and to dialogue, to encounter Daniel was because God loved Daniel. Look at the first word that's coming out of the angels. It says, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. The angel, uh, God through the angel wanted Daniel to realize that he's loved by God. He is precious to God. I think for those of us who are standing in the gap, these are the words that I think some of you, the reason why you're listening to this is because I think God wants you to hear this, that God loves you. And I know those are simple words. I know those are words that can be easily uttered. But yet those are words sometimes we forget that God loves you. God loves me. Because oftentimes when we're standing up in the gap, we question whether we forget that God loves us. Because our mind quickly goes, the reason why I'm going through trials right now is because God has abandoned me. Now, this is the only explanation, right? Why am I going through difficulty? Because God must not be with me. God must not care about me. Or worse, yes, yeah, sometimes we take that one step further. God must be punishing me. We have these wrong, false teaching and theology in our hearts that says that God is punishing me. Therefore, I'm going through all the trials. That I'm going. Therefore, God is not answering my prayer. Therefore, God is feeling so far away from me. And this is the reason why, again, later on we see this was affirmed to Daniel that God was telling Daniel, Daniel, I love you. You are precious to me. I love you. And even if God is disciplining us, which is clear in Scripture, God never disciplined us out of anger. He disciplined us out of love. And today, if you're standing in the gap, you're standing right there wondering, how come God doesn't listen to me? I want you to know that God loves you. God loves you so much that he he wants you to know that he loves you. He loves you before you even knew him. I mean, think about the most famous verse that we know in John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son way before you decided that you want to come to know Jesus. Jesus entered into the world way before you and I were even ma- uh, born. See, God loves us not because of what we can do or who we are. God loves us in spite of who we are. And though there are moments that we're standing in the gap and wondering, God, do you really care? Doesn't that sound like Peter? When Jesus didn't, do the, uh, didn't save them from the Gal- uh, Sea of Galilee? Does, does Jesus even care? Here's what we need to remember. God loves you. God cares for you. And he loves you not just by his word. Because here the angel did not just come and tell Daniel, I, God loves you. Man greatly loved. But he also touched him. Look at verse 10 again. And behold, a hand touched me. God did not just show his love to Daniel by just saying the words of love, which we oftentimes need to remember and hear that. But God actually sent an angel to touch him. You see, the hand of God to his people is never one to push down, but it's always one to lift up. The angels touched him and he was trembling. He can't get up. And guess what happened right after that? He, the angel said, Stand up right, stand up. The angel touched Daniel not to push him down, keep him low on the ground, even though he was trembling. The angel touched him so that he can be stood up. And as a result of that, verse 11, I stood up trembling. When he had no strength to stand, the angel touched him and he was able to give him strength to stand. That's what God wants to do in your life and my life. When we're standing in the gap, some of us have so much burden in our hearts, we're hunched over with burden that we can never carry on our own. And God said, I am come to touch you. My touch is able to give you strength to stand. It makes me think of Isaiah 41.10. So if you're not. For I'm with you, I will uphold you. God said, I will uphold you. I will hold your arm when you can stand no more, when you're hunching back with the yoke of the burdens, the unanswered prayer, when you're praying for your child, when you're praying for your your spouse, when you're praying for your friend, when you're praying for your mom and dad for salvation, when things are not working on your life, you're standing in the gap wondering, is it going to happen? God said, I'm going to hold you up. I'm going to carry you through. I don't know if an angel will show up tomorrow, but I do know this, that God doesn't only just send angels to affirm us, his love, to touch us, to give us strength. Today, we have brothers and sisters in the church that God used to empower us. Because there are some of us who are carrying the burden on our shoulders, that we need it. God want to send other brothers and sisters to come along and sustain us when we're pushing through in a time of gap. I experienced that this past week. Uh, many of you, probably in our church in our congregation, knows that I uh, try my best to pray for a different person. I reach out to people and I try to pray for them. Ask them how I can pray for them. Let me say this up front. This is not a, a pat on the shoulder. This is not just to glorify myself uh, or a or beg for um, recognition. But I do that. I partly show my love and as a shepherd. But along the way, I think as I pray for people, um, oftentimes there's a very one directional thing that I'll ask people to pray for. And I'm gladly pray for them. But once in a while, I'll hit this moment. I'm human too. I know I'm a pastor, but there are moments I sometimes feel discouraged on there. So I'm praying for everybody else who's praying for me. And it's, it's crazy because this past week and I continue to do what I've been doing and, um, God just sent a brother and sister, three or four people that just asked me, Hey, Ben, how can I pray for you? I'm pretty sure they're not angel. But God somehow used people that as I'm going through weekend and weekend, just preparing things and, and, and serving the Lord, um, I, God just bring a sense of encouragement. And one of which was really, really cool because I was kind of thinking, struggling a little bit with with, with just praying about for our church. And, and I share what I share with that person. And most people, you know how that goes. Right? Oh, I'll pray for you, right? Which I assume with the best intention, they will pray for me. But this person actually after several hours, actually text me and say, Ben, I just prayed for you. You have no idea. That simple sentence of affirmation and encouragement meant to me as I continue to stay faithful to God. See, God does that to us. God cares about you. God perhaps uses other people to come alongside to encourage you. And so while you're standing, and wondering if I should continue. God said, I love you. I love you, and I'm going to send angels and people to come alongside of you so that you can continue to put your trust in me. So that's the first truth about God we see. God cares more about us than we care about ourselves sometimes. Here's the second truth. You're taking notes. The second truth is this, that God is doing more than you can understand. God is doing far more than you can see with your eyes. God is doing something behind the scene that that you're completely unaware of. When we go back to the story, we see that the angel touched uh, Daniel and he stood up. And then in verse 12, he went on. He he encouraged him again in verse 12. He says to me, uh, the, the angel said to Daniel, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I've come because of your words. The reason why the angel showed up was not because just now the message got to God. And, and God finally realized after 21 days, I heard Daniel's prayer. No, God sent the angel 21 days later was, was because God actually heard his prayer the first time. And this is an encouragement for you, for, for, for those of us who've been praying consistently and faithfully for a long time. God heard you the first time. God heard you the first time you pray, but He's not. He 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 calls us to be persistent in prayer. Uh, the people who pray to be consistent and persistent in our prayer. The 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 story of the the widow, and we are we are to persist in praying. But but the the very first time God heard it, and the reason why He did not answer is not because He didn't hear you. The reason why he didn't answer the first time just because he didn't hear the first time doesn't mean that he didn't hear you. The reason why he didn't answer you is because something else is going on in this world that our, our eyes are not perceptive to. Because the angel continued to tell him that the reason why I come is because God heard your word the first time. And here's the reason why I showed up so late. Here's verse 13. The prince of kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia. And came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. Why did the angel show up 21 days late? It was because he was held up in Persia. The angel was held up fighting in Persia. Here, who are the prince of the kingdom of Persia, or the, 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 the kings of Persia, He's not referring to the, the actual human king of Persia. It's actually referring to those who are angels, or so the spirit, the, uh, demonic forces that are that are controlling those empires. And the angel that was speaking to Daniel God caught up fighting against them. You see, we live in a physical world, and particularly for us, you know, we're very scientific, and we kind of think everything is just a like physical manifestation. But the scripture is clear. And by the way, the reason why I believe in God is because there is something more than what meets the eye. There are so much more that is going on in this world than what you and I can see. You see, while Daniel was praying and fasting, he cannot see physically God answering or anyone coming by. was because all along those three weeks... The angel that God wanted to send was battling. He was waging warfare in Persia. And, and it was so fierce that he needed Michael, the chief uh, angel, which we know from Revelation, not a part of the scripture. Michael is the archangel. Have to kind of step in to fight for him so that he can get away to come and minister, to encourage, to affirm Daniel. I used this illustration before about iceberg. We see 10% of it. But there's 90% that's unseen. See, we live in a world that we only see 10% of what's going on in this world. Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We see in the book of Job how Satan was once an angel fell from God out of his disobedience. He is on a a crusade against God, fighting against God to rob God of his glory. And that battle, that war, it continues to be waging on throughout the history of the world. Yes, we know at the end of scripture, Christ will win. But 90% of that is going on without you and I seeing and noticing you see, God calls us to continue to have faith in him and, and stand in faith in him. Even in the, when we're standing in, at the edge of a gap between us and him. It's because God tells us that there are wars being waged around us. And in fact, the angel is waging the war against, against, uh, uh, against the evil forces as we are praying. As we are trusting in God. So do not be mistaken thinking that just because God didn't answer your prayer, God is doing Nothing. Just because you can't see what's going on, it doesn't mean that nothing is going on. In fact, there are so much going on that God is working even when we don't see it. And God is calling you and calling Daniel, and subsequent us. Are you going to continue to stand in faith? Are you continue to trust in me? Because I'm taking care of all those things behind the scene. Let me worry about the result. You worry about being faithful to me. You worry about putting faith in me. See, while Daniel was praying for 21 days, the angel was waging war. Until he can find a a help, then he come and take the time. This is so amazing and powerful to me. He took time off of waging the spiritual battle just to come to affirm and encourage Daniel. You see, many times when God is doing work, we don't see it. It doesn't mean that he's not doing anything. I'm a, I'm a living testimony of that. When I first came to America, uh, my parents went to church. And like many of you who are youth, I know how that felt uh, when you didn't want to come to church, but your parents make you come to church. I endured many Friday nights when my friends are hanging out, many Sunday mornings when I didn't want to get up. My parents continued to make me go to church. I was not the most obedient. I was not the most uh, compliant uh, Sunday school student. I've been yanked out of my Sunday school class, even by my Sunday school teachers saying that, are you going to take me seriously or you can get out of here? So I'm not no perfect uh, model for, for, for Sunday school student. But for whatever reason, that continued for two years until one day at a retreat. In the midst of not wanting to hear the sermon, God somehow took a hold of my heart. Somehow, miraculously, I actually felt bad for sinning against God. Somehow, I actually realized that all along my life up to that point, God actually was loving me and giving me opportunity to repent and come back to him. And at the time, I, make, I I, raised my hand and came to know Jesus and receive Him as my Lord and Savior. For me, on the outside, it looks like it just happened on that day. But what I realized was that prior to that day, for those two years, ever since I went to my church, someone was praying for me. I find that out afterwards that my youth counselor had been praying for me, committing me to to their prayer every single week, praying for my salvation, praying for me to come and hear God, to respond to God. None of that was seen. I can't imagine week in and week out, this this punk showing up at church, and they're just like, this guy's just not changing. How easy it is. They can step up to that gap and just give up on praying to God for my salvation. But I thank God that these saints remember me in their prayer and as a result of that while they don't see what's going on on the outside one day god god is already working in my heart and one day at just the right time god grant me faith to believe in him see god is doing way more than what we realize and understand so don't give up If you don't see what you're praying, don't give up when you don't, when things are not working out the way you want it to be because God is working behind the scene and for his own glory and for your good. Here's the last thing we see. Not only God cares for us more than we do, not only God is doing more than what we understand. Here's the last one that God's strength, this is really key for us. God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. God's strength is made powerful and perfect in our weaknesses. We know that this is a this is um, written by Paul, right? And Second Corinthians chapter twelve verse nine is quoted, not quote, echoed by Paul. This teaching here is what it says: Second Corinthians twelve nine. But he said to me, God said to Paul, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." And since that's the case, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly on my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So it was clearly taught in New Testament, but I believe it was illustrated all over Scripture, even in Old Testament and particularly here in Daniel. Then as Daniel hear all these truths about God doing their life, caring for him, loving him, and doing things behind the scene for him and for the glory of God, God made sure he knew that in his moment of weakness, he will find strength. Look at verse 15 with, uh, with me. Verse 15, when he has spoken to me according to these words, here's Daniel's reaction. I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. He can't talk. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. I think for many of us, that's probably the the most accurate line that describes some of how we feel today. At the end of verse 16, that the pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. Strength. You have no strength. You cried all the tears that you have cried. You've been fighting back against anxiety. You've been fighting hard for your family. You've been fighting hard for the salvation of your loved one. You've been fighting hard for the disease or the sickness that is ravishing your family member. You've been fighting hard against your depression. You've been fighting hard against your, your disappointment and whoever it is that disappointed you. You've been trusting in God. You are where Daniel was at the moment that there is no strength, that you. there's no more strength that you can pray anymore. And it was in that time, it was out of that revelation that accepted that acknowledgement by daniel and i want you to see what god is doing in verse 18 again one having the appearance of man touch me and strengthen me what did he do the angel touched daniel as a result of that touch by the angel Daniel was strengthened. He was at the bottom of the valley, the bottom of the pit. He got no strength even to to, to cry anymore, even to to plead with God anymore. And at that moment, the angel touched him and strengthened him. That's the beauty of the touch of God. See, at the moment when we're standing together, we all need the touch of God. See, with the touch of God, he can revive our hope. With the touch of God, it will re- replenish replenish our faith. In the touch of hope, we can be filled with joy again. But here's the, here's the key, though. That in, in order to experience the touch of God, you must come to the place of surrendering. You must come to a place where you feel like you have no more strength than for yourself. You see, real strength comes not because you are able. Real strength comes when you realize you are unable See, when your tank is empty, that's when you be ready for God to pour into power into your life. See, when you are weakest, you become strong. You find strength. After the declaration by Daniel that he has no strength, he has no breath left in him, the angel then touch, Then the angel then strengthen him. See, the touch of God only works in our lives when we realize that I no longer need to rely on my own power, my own intellect, my own wisdom. The alcohol and drugs, are things just numb me. Entertainment is just going to numb my problem. It's not going to strengthen me to face my, my troubles. And it is until we get to that place where we come clean and say, God, I am no strength. I can't do it anymore on my own. That's when the power of God starts rushing in. Like a fire hydrant filling us up. Here's what we re- need to really realize. Is, is the greatest barrier between you and God is not that gap. The greatest barrier between you and God is not the gap that you see or you're, you're feeling. The biggest barrier between you and God is your supposed strength. Your perceived strength in yourself. See the every, bit of, every bit of strength. That you think you have. Is what's keeping you. From experiencing the power of God. The gap is not keeping you. From experiencing the power of God. Your perceived supposed strength. That you think you have. Is what's keeping you from the power of God. In your life. Which ultimately can. Uh, will enable you to live. Faithfully for God. Let me share with you this illustration. Um, when by, you know, If you ever taught someone swimming, I've also uh, taken uh, live, lifeguard uh, le- uh, lessons. One of the tricky, trickiest part of teaching someone swimming, including my own kids, is this. Is that when they jump in the water, they in their head realize that they cannot swim. That's why they're taking a swimming lesson. But in reality, they think they can. Because the moment you put them in the water, what do they do? They just start moving their arms, start kicking as if they know how to swim. But really, they don't know how to swim. Their reality is that if I just kick fast enough, move my arm fast enough, if I just do a lot of, uh, expend a lot of energy, somehow, some way, I will start swimming. And we know that is not true. But you know what would happen? What needs to happen is the, uh, the, the people who are learning or people who are being rescued by life, instead of fighting and kicking, thinking that they can use their own strength to swim, what they need to do really is, is to relax. Is to really come to terms with their inability to swim. And what happened is, I've seen it in my own kids, is when they stop thinking that they can swim, when they stop moving the arms, stop kicking around, when I put my hand underneath them and I hold them up onto the water. When they stop fighting and thinking that they can use their power to swim. All of a sudden, they start floating. All of a sudden, they have strength to flow. When in reality, when they keep fighting, they think they're moving around. They actually sink even faster. Man, I wonder how many of us are just doing exactly that when we're standing in our gap. That we're kicking, we're moving, we're thinking that I can get this out of, uh, get, get out of this on my own. But when in reality, what God is calling us to do is take a deep breath, continue to trust in me and let my power take over for you. Please mind the gap. Mind the gap. See, when you're standing in the gap, if you're not careful, you can fall into it. You can trip, get tripped over it. Mind the gap. Keep praying. Keep trusting in the Lord. 21 days, 41 days, year. So we can do that because we, we know that God loves us. We can do that because we believe that God sees us as precious. But not only does God love us. God is doing way more than you can understand, way more than you can see. So keep having faith in God. Keep trusting in God. Keep embracing your weakness before God because when you are empty of your own strength, God's strength becomes available, readily available for you to face the gap that you're facing. Let's pray together. When I was in college, I went to uh, Kyrgyzstan for mission trips several summers. When I was there, I learned um, to pray with my hands. For the Christians in Kyrgyz, they pray with their hands open. Because it represents surrendering. It represents trusting. Trusting. It represents letting go, but it also represent receiving. So the Kyrgyz Christians that we uh, serve together with, they taught us to pray, and when we're there, we pray, often like this, we just leave our hands open. I want to encourage you to do that as I pray. Let's pray with the posture of surrendering to God, and after they pray with their hands open. After they, they pray in the name of Jesus, what they do is they will put their hands and pour it over their face. To remind themselves that the blessing of God is upon them. Though they might not see it and feel it at the time. That they trust that the blessing of God will be upon their lives. Upon, uh, as they pray to God, that God has heard their prayer. And God will do whatever that glorifies himself and for our good. So I want to lead us in praying as we end our sermon together. Heavenly Father, we come before you. I pray particularly for those who are standing right on the edge of a gap. I pray for those who are struggling with anxiety. God, I pray for those who are struggling to find joy in you. God, I pray for those who have lost hope in you. God, I just pray for those who feel tired, that they are so drained, Because of the burdens on their back. The difficulties in their lives. God, I pray for those. Who can no longer stand. Who have no breath. To praise you. God, I pray that you will make sure that they know that you love them. That when they open your words. That they will come alive for them. That affirm them. That God, you love them. God, will you open up the eyes of their hearts to see that, God, you're doing way more than what we can see with our our physical eyes. That we can put on the full armor of God and be strong. That we're unable to fight against spiritual forces of evil in this world, but thanks be to you that you have given us strength. So, God, I pray as our hands are open, I pray that it will represent our hearts, that we will die to ourselves. That we'll empty of all the little strength that we think we have, but come clean before you so that we can boast of our weakness and your power will be made perfect. God, I just pray that you will touch each one of us. God, you know what's ahead of us you know what was, what was in the past behind us? God, we long for your touch. So give us faith. Help us to persevere. Most importantly, God, help us to be vigilant of the gap in front of us. Help us to look far enough to your promise that we can cross this gap and, re, and worship you and see you on the other side of this gap. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.